morning, Rock Bible Church. Um, we've entered a new era. You know, you've heard of uh, B.C. and A.D., right? Before a common era, after death, or they got a Latin phrase for it, I think. We've, we've entered the A.B. era, the after Brent era. It's our first Sunday after Baldwin. You could pick whichever one you like. Can we bring up that photo again? What, is this their new place? You need to be praying for them because, look, they've already got a water leak. Welcome to home ownership, Brett. <laughs> hey, we miss you, buddy. I, I know you're probably listening, so uh, we love you. We miss you, and I'm still mad at you. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, we are Rock Bible Church. Welcome. We're Christ-centered, biblically based. And then what are the three C's? <laughs> See, when you put it up there, then they don't have to remember it. Compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship be in a community that serves the greater community. Amen? Amen. Uh, that's what we're doing. And we've been doing it in the book of Samuel recently. We're 28 chapters in. Good news. We've really covered Samuel. Uh, bad news, there's only three left. 29, 30, 31. Uh, so we're going to be in, in Samuel chapter 28. You can look up on the screen. Every, all the verses will be up there, as is always. We also have Bibles in the back if you want one of those. Um, but let's pray. And then we'll jump in. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for what we've sung. Thanks for what we've heard. We do thank you for Brent and Ashley. We ask you just continue to bless them and their family. And then, Lord, for this time, may, may this, as always, be your time focused on you, honoring you, dedicated to your, what your word calls precepts, your concepts. Teach us to think like you, to feel like you. And I pray that you would do it through what happens in the next few moments, what has happened as we sang. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen? Amen. First Samuel chapter 28, David has uh, been running from Saul for a while now, and he's kind of, well, he's off in the land of the Philistines, which is supposed to be the enemy, is the enemy. David's kind of forgotten it. Last week was kind of a weird story of how he's trying to figure out that middle ground of in-between answers. You know, he's kind of stuck and in, in wandering in the mystery of what's going on. Uh, meanwhile, Saul is up to his same old shenanigans, and um, the Philistines are going to decide to pick a fight uh, with, the, with, the, with the Jews. It didn't go well the last few times. Um, in fact, David was the reason it went really well for the Jews a while back. Um, but David struck up a deal with the Kish, the king of the Philistines in the area that he's in. So that's kind of where we find the story. There's your background if you're uh, joining us and haven't watched the podcast and are on, on the web, right? And the, the video on YouTube. You can catch and catch up on those anytime you want. Um, we forget to talk about that ever. So... In those days, First uh, Samuel chapter 28, verse 1, In those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. This is a common theme. Achish said to David, Achish is the king, by the way, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David has 600 men with him, and they're undefeated so far. Uh, and and they're, they're, they're good warriors. Achish understands that, and 
He says, look, if you're going to live in our land and we gave you a Ziklag, this town in this area to live in, then it's time for you to pay your dues. It's time for war and prove that you're really with us because we're going to go fight against your own heritage. This is a tough decision for David. Apparently not. Watch what he says. David said, this. he's very well. You shall know what your servant can do. <laughs> What's he saying? Oh, yeah, I'm going to put on a show. Let's go, Akish. I'm ready. That's not the answer you would expect from David. It's not really what he's supposed to be doing. He's supposed to be following the Lord and his people and, and the whole thing. So he's kind of out in left field a little bit. And Akish agrees. He says to David, well, very well, I will make you my bodyguard. What's those last two words? For life. Is that, is that an overarching, unending, ad nauseum rule? I mean, he's, he's been assigned to a position for life. Now, any guesses whether that's going to last? <laughs> it's not going to last, okay? It won't be this chapter. We're going to look at that, uh, I believe it's next week. But they make this pact, and now we know the setting of what's about to happen. Um, we're going to leave Akish and David now. And we're going to jump over to Saul. This is the other side of the, the battle, right? Because Saul's going to figure this out um, as to what's about to happen. Samuel had died, verse 3, and all Israel had mourned him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and necromancers out of the land. Anybody that dealt with prophecy, spirits, you know, that, was, that was big then, right? He says, we're not doing that anymore. He, he banned everybody out of the land. And the Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel and then encamped at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he thought, well, we've never lost to them. God's on our side. He's made promises to us. No problem. In fact, I had a little shepherd boar beat them, beat them by himself. Remember David and Goliath? Is that what he says? No. He was, what's that word? Afraid. And here lies the gist of, I think, the, this passage, this chapter. Get out um, your, your outline at the top and the back. It says uh, 1 Samuel chapter 28. And then what's the title? Fear or God. It's a decision we all get to make. Wait, can't, can't you have fear and God? That's the question. See the question mark at the end? Fear or God? Is that, is that where I have to choose between fear or God? Or do I have to choose fear or God? There's two different ways to look at that question. Wait, Scott, do you have a title with double meaning? <gasps> I mean, Lord forbid that you should think a little extra on a Sunday. Everybody had their coffee? Apparently not. <laughs> Let's try that again. Are we awake? Yeah. Amen. Okay, so... Um, David goes to fear. Is there any mention of God here? No pray. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, call out his priest or something like that. He, in fact, didn't he just kick them all out? Ooh. Saul is, is in crisis. Is he making a choice between fear and God? I say that he is. That's what it looks like to me. Now here's the question careful put up your guard all right here it comes how quickly do you go to fear right we easily can go to emotion and we easily can go to thought 
we overthink it or we misthink it. You know, irrational thoughts about it. We have feelings. And what does Saul see? All he sees is, what's that word starts with A and ends with me? With an R in the middle? That's all he sees? And where's, what's he projecting with that? There's an army, and what's the projection? What's he's assuming is going to happen? This army's going to come, and what's, what's his... Why be afraid? If he thought he was going to be a, win, a winning, what would the emotion be? Afraid. Excitement! We're going to get some more oxen. <laughs> We're going to get a bunch of supplies. We may pick up some land. Instead, he goes to fear. Now, I know you're not used to this because our culture is so positive and optimistic, especially in the media. We're trained, you know, physiologically, your body responds better to fear and negativity than it does positively. You know why this is? Chemistry. Wait, are we at church and we're doing science? Yeah, yeah. Your body functions on chemistry. Amen? Now, your, your body functions on God only. Amen to that too, right? He has chosen to use chemistry as how it works. And when you go to fear, when you go to the dark side, what starts firing off in your body? Endorphins, adrenaline, fight or flight, the amygdala mangata chimichanga thing in your head, that thing starts firing off. I can never remember the name of what that thing's called. We do have smart people that know what it's called. What's it called, Doc? Amygdala. Okay, there we go. I thought that was a fighter plane in Star Wars. No? All right. Uh, so he goes to fear, right? He was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. You, you familiar with the concept of emphasis? Emphasis? <laughs> right? You get it wrong if you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Okay. I want to thank Brian Regan, the comedian, for that line. Um, this is called emphasis. It sounds like a, just a little sentence to us. And his heart trembled greatly. You, you, depending on how you read it, it can sound like a devotional, right? And his heart trembled greatly. No, what's, what's, what's going on here? Terrified. That's a great word. He is freaking out. Not in the, oh, I, got, I saw a cool post on the internet and I'm so freaking out about it right now. No, real freaking out. Panic. In panic, when things are bad, when you think they're going south, what could our first response be? We're at church. I asked the question. Hey, let's, let's find a way to turn to God. Have you figured out your turn to God avenues? You know they're different for different people? Right? I'm, I'm a little bit of a scripture nerd. So I'll go to scripture. Some people, this is a poor way to do this, but some people are prayer nerds, right? We shouldn't call them nerds. Although, I oh, never mind. Uh, some people go to prayer and it works for them. Some people put on worship music. Some people go out in someone else's yard and start helping them do the weeds because it's service and they're helping. So, and that 
that gets their amygdala going, right, in the positive direction, you have to figure out what are your avenues for accessing God first rather than tuck your tail and run. Panic, right? The reason I put fear or God is because if you really trust in the Lord with all your heart, what could that do for your emotion? I think they can be separate concepts. They can be. Now, can you have both at the same time? Yes, that's a different passage. We'll cover it when we get there. Today, sometimes fear is actually in opposition to God and His plan and His promises and the truth that He's been giving you. Saul, I've been telling you what to do your whole life. What are you doing? So he panics and, and uh, he's, he's trembling greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord... And when in Saul inquired of the Lord, oh, now we're going to talk to him after we get all freaked out? Uh, we went to, did we go too far? Oh, uh, go back one more because we're going to put this sentence together. When Saul inquired of the Lord, comma, the Lord, watch this one, did not answer him. Yeah, we're supposed to have that sound. Bum, bum, bum. It's okay. When we do the movie, we'll put the sound in. There's, there's something going on here that you miss if you're just reading this chapter or just joining us. For 27 chapters, Saul's been doing his own thing. Who's he been putting first? Starts with S and self, right? This is God saying, I believe you. I believe that you have put yourself first. You don't want to talk to me. In fact, you talk to me at the la as a last resort, and I'm, I'm not last resort. I'm first resort. I am the, <laughs> I'm the beginning. I start everything. And you need to learn a lesson. Wait, Scott. You best not turn this on us as humans in the 21st century. You better not say that God could go silent on us or not answer your prayer. I didn't have to. You went there. Did God say no? Did God do the silent treatment? He can do both. And he's the best at it. I've had periods in my life where I think God was silent. I will never say he was silent. He may have been speaking and I failed to catch it. But I have felt like at times God was silent. That's a rough place. And, and where do you go at that time? Self-evaluation. Something's wrong. I need to course correct. I've been avoiding the truth. God says, hey, I, I can get your attention any way you like. <laughs> How about we start with giving him attention rather than waiting for him to go to drastic measures. He did not answer him, not by dreams, nor Urim, or by prophets. Now remember, he kicked everybody out, right? Then Saul said to his servants, seek out for me a woman who is a... Is this guy waffling back and forth? Now he wants a medium. He just kicked all the mediums out, right? We gotta, he, they're using different words for each one of these basically to give us the impression that all types of these people have been banned. And yet now you want to seek one? 
How, how long did he wait to jump to the medium from God being silent? One sentence. <laughs> Very next sentence, he jumped, right? Maybe God wanted him to sit for a bit and, and be silent. Like God. Stop acting. Sit. Practice the spiritual discipline of solitude. Or, did you know this? Do you know there's the spiritual discipline of silence? Nope. I gotta go find an answer. I gotta do something. I'm proactive. I'm type A. I'm driven. I get things done. People want me on the team. Well, who's first in all of those titles? Self. Right. Seek out for me a woman who is the medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And the servant said, um, I think there's one medium in Endor. They said that shaking because they knew they weren't supposed to know about any because they were both supposed to all be out of the land. So Saul disguised himself, put on other garments and went. He and two men with him. They came to the woman by night and he said, uh, divine for me a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. I want, I want to talk to somebody from the dead. Woman said, um, do you know Saul? He said, no, we're not allowed to do this anymore. He said, surely you know what Saul has done. He's cut off the mediums, the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life? You're trying to kill me. We're not doing this. Smart woman. Has she remembered the truth? I want you to see this. Saul is dropping the ball through this whole passage. And yet we have this subtle contrast compare of this random lady who in many ways is doing the things that Saul should be doing. And it never comes out and does this direct compare contrast. But just watch her. She's pretty interesting. Right? She says, trying to get... Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this. D does he really know the Lord very well right now? Is he, he's calling on the name of the Lord when it's convenient for him. Which, by the way, I can't stand it when Christians do that. They call on God or they use the Scripture to justify their own agenda and it's self-based. It's so wrong. It's what Paul's, or, uh, Paul, Saul is doing right here. Um, which was, Saul was Paul's name before. That's how I get. You don't want to end up in here. It's, it's a scary place. You can't get out sometimes. Um, the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You're Saul. You're calling up Samuel. And now I see who he is. And now I realize what's going on here. I know who you are. Is she in tune with the truth? See this? King said to her, and she must be good at her job because she's, she can tell who, what things are. Right? So this was a thing back then. Right? Um, King said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up of the, of the earth. And he said to her, what is his appearance? He said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and paid homage. Hmm. What's weird about that? He's bowing to the ground and paying homage to the spirit of Saul return? 
Who should he be bowing and paying homage to? God. And yet we have this thing now where he, Saul's giving away his homage. Whatever homage you have, don't give it away. It belongs to God only. But he keeps finding it. He puts it in his army or he puts it in a, a diviner or he puts it in a spirit that comes back to talk to him rather than pursuing the Lord. It's weird. And Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I'm in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me. And God has turned away from me and answers me no more. Realize what he just said. Can we bring that last slide up again? <laughs> Philistines are warring, and God has turned away from me. Is that true? It's true. Is he answering him? Nope. Did he tell him he's going to take his kingship away? Yes. yes. Did he say someone else is going to get it? Yes. Yeah. He, in fact, God has been chastising, correcting Samuel over and over. And who fails to listen? Saul. And yet now he's going to quote truth that he's failing to acknowledge. He knows it. He's quoting it. But he doesn't believe it. Worse off, he fails to act on truth that he does know. God's turned me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I've summoned you to tell me what I shall do. It's a wrong sentence. What should it say? Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what God is doing or will do. He's inserted himself as the subject of the sentence. I never thought that English could be theological. You know, in English, there's a subject and an object and a verb and a noun and a predicate, all that kind of stuff. You know, you can really tell a lot about your theology when you talk about God if he's either the subject or the object. And the dangerous place is when you're the subject and he's the object, which is the juxtaposition that Saul does here. Try not to ever use the word juxtaposition, by the way. Um, Saul says, what are you doing? Why then did you ask me since the Lord has turned from you, you knew this, and become your... Ooh. Who's the worst enemy you could have? This is the spirit of Samuel. We're pretty sure he's, he's dialed in to direct complete truth he makes he makes a theological statement here that god can be an enemy now be careful when you're talking about your overly christianese people that god is love and all grace and forgives everything yeah it's all true <laughs> can he be an enemy can he cut you off can he go silent can he give and take away job that great song we have, right? I listened to um, I listened to a preacher recently who said, yeah, no, God does good things. He doesn't do bad things. What? We must be reading different books. Now, see, here's the thing. What's true? Well, truth is relative. It depends on my experience because Jean could have something that's true for her that's not true for me. Wrong. Truth is determined by, we're at church, ask the question. Truth is determined by God. Does truth change? 
Mm, it doesn't. We got to get to a place where we realize that. He says, become your enemy. Verse 17, the Lord has done to you as he spoke by me. This is all stuff you know, Saul. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand. Didn't take it from you. He tore it from you. He's torn the kingdom out of your hand, given it to your neighbor, David. Bam. This is the first time in Samuel chapter 28 where Saul has to hear it directly. It's not going to give it to another. It's not, there's going to be another anointed one. You're, you're not anointed anymore. Or you're, he's going to take the kingdom from you. No, now he knows and his hearing from the spirit of Samuel directly from God. It's David. Is that the truth? Is he going to ignore it? Yes. <laughs> right. Here we go. Hey, God's given him so many outs. Could Saul turn at any time? He absolutely could. Right? In fact, one of the beauties of the New Testament is that we have a Saul who does turn. Paul. Right? Great irony and beauty in that. He says, it's, it's David? And because you did not... Let's try this again. Okay, ready? Warm up. Ready? And because you did not... Yes. Does God require sacrifice or obedience? He wants us to obey. Are you listening? It's the same problem I have with my kids. I've entered this great stage. It's an amazing stage. Well, it depends on how you look at it. Decades ago, I entered this stage where I started picking up the phone. Hey, Dad. Remember when, and you said, was that about, does that really mean, could it be true? What was that stage that I entered? No, no, no. I called dad. There was a stage. I started calling dad. What's that stage? Put it in your own words. Maturity. <laughs> no. I've yet to understand this word that you use. I no understand. Maturity? No. No, thank you. Respect? What had my dad become? He got a cape. A superhero cape. I, he became an expert. I was like, oh my goodness, there's truth there. Right? And I start referencing him. I've, I'm entering a new stage. Yeah, hello? Uh, yeah, Dad? I was wondering about that. Da, da, da. Hey, do you think you could... In class, they were talking about, blah, blah. I'm entering this new weird stage where all of a sudden I'm becoming the expert. They're referencing me? Because I knew nothing for like 20 years. You know this? <laughs> it's hilarious, right? Director of the local soccer club and the, and the varsity coach for the high school team. My, my kid playing soccer for one of the first years of his life has an assistant coach guy shows up, takes over the team, and he tells my son to do something. And I say to my son, I said, Obey your coach because he's your coach, but he's wrong. Oh, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. And we do that to God. At what point are we going to go back and start listening to what he's told us? Referencing him as a superhero, as an expert, as a, not just a diviner of truth, but a definer of truth. Turn, to you, turn from you, become your enemy. This is what he spoke to me. You knew this. It's going to be David. 
and because you didn't obey the voice, the word. Today we have scripture. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out is carry out another way to say obey? Yeah. And you didn't carry out his fierce wrath. Apparently God has fierce wrath. I want him on my team. I want him as a teammate rather than an enemy. I want my enemies to experience his fierce, fierce wrath rather than me. Against Amalek, that's a story from early in uh, 1 Samuel where he was supposed to do something and he, only, he did half the job. And he tried to justify it and whatever. He said, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Is God doing these things we would call negative? He sure is. He is. Moreover, watch this. This is a great line. I love this line. Right? Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons shall be with me. Oh! What a great way to say that. Where are you going to be tomorrow, Saul? <laughs> Uh, you want truth? You want to know what you shall do or should do? And tomorrow you shall be with me. It's over. After a while, if you continue to turn from God, this is the dark side, right? Do we do hot hellfire and brimstone here at Rock Bible Church? Say no. No, we believe in the grace of God and his forgiveness, his death on the cross that solves all things. In fact, he was on the cross. He said, it is finished. And I've been thinking about that. That's coming up in a sermon soon. Have some fun with the it is finished statement. Um, and we believe all those things. The goodness of God. All good things come from Him. Amen. Amen. And yet, if you tell Him no, as Mom always said, He'll believe you. Right? There's no worse place than far from God. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Mm. So the Philistines are going to win. Do you remember how this chapter began? David was talking to the, one of the kings of the Philistines. Said he's going to be on his side. Ooh, who's going to be in a predicament later? When the Philistines start to win and David sees his people going down, where's that going to go? Right? I'm getting a little cheeky with you because we're not into the next chapter and we do. The story's going to change even different than I just projected it. Okay. That's called a teaser for next week. Lord will give the army into the hand of the Philistines uh, and then Saul fell at once, full length, on the ground, filled with fear. Okay, see, I don't make up the titles. I just take them out of the passage. Uh, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. He should... This is irony again. He should have been filled with fear by the words of the Lord chapters ago, years ago. Right? But he apparently doesn't even learn the hard way. Uh, there was no strength in him, for he had, uh, had eaten nothing all day, all night. The woman came to Saul. This woman, she's back. Uh, when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servants have obeyed you. Subtle theme. Uh, I've taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, 
you also obey your servant. Are you going to obey anything, Saul? It's a very, very subtle thing that happens right here. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and you eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. Can't even obey the lady. Right? He's oppositionally defiant. But his servants together with the woman urged him and he listened to their words. So he did find a way to obey. But not God. He, he obeys random lady and a couple servants. Instead of listening to Samuel. Instead of listening to God. And dare I say we're good at that. We'll obey random people in our lives who are complementing or supporting our agenda. And as long as they say things that we agree with, boy, we'll run to obedience with them. And yet when God comes and says, you know, cut this out of your life. Spend time on this regularly, albeit daily. All the time, do this. Never, ever do that. We go, ah, uh, that's too complicated. And Scott's not here to explain it, so I'm just going to move on. No. We do obedience at the highest level. When it makes no sense, when it's painful, costly, even when I see no way, and by myself. Sorry, I'm going to um, ask a question before we started the church over 13 years ago. And they said, here's a question you really need to deal with. If you do this church thing and it works for a while, and then after a while people start leaving, and in the end the only thing you have left is you and God, will you be okay? Man, I messed with that one for a while. No, don't want that but I'm beginning to understand it. Because there's obedient things you got to do. You just got to do. Or he goes silent, cuts you off, gives your stuff to somebody else, and says, see you tomorrow. I love God. He has a great sense of humor, doesn't he? You're like, uh, uh, Scott, I'm not sure that was funny. That's called irony. Absolutely love it. So he rose from the earth, sat on the bed. Now the woman had fattened calf in the house, and she quickly killed it, took the flour and kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate, and they rose, and it went away that night. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. It's a really random story. It's weird, isn't it? I've got this guy dealing with the difference between fear and God. By the way, do we have another character dealing with that? At the very beginning of the passage, David, he's in the land of the enemy. He's trying to figure out, was God truthful with me? Saul's on a different path, but dealing with the same issue. I got to think there's three things for you today that come out of this, and then we'll, uh, we'll do some communion and be on our way. Um, number one, when you're trying to figure out fear or God or both, or do you have to choose? Remember that no action changes the truth of God. 
And David and Saul are learning that in different ways. But they're learning it. And you might fall into the trap where something happens and you think to yourself, well, if I could just figure this out, I'm going to reason it. If I could just understand why I'm feeling this way, get somebody to talk to me about my emotions. Maybe if I wait a while, or maybe if I get a different job, maybe if I end the relationship, or maybe I pursue, if I could do some things, then it will get better. I'll do that once I finally, and you fill in all those sentences. And what never changes in any of those scenarios? Last underlined word there starts with T, known by Ruth. Truth never changes. It's one of the most frustrating things ever. You struggle with patience? You ever prayed for patience? I'm practicing patience by waiting to pray for patience later. That's how I'm exercising my patience. You know what that battle is about? A disconnect with truth. Patience is on some level. And it's funny, in this whole thing, remember the lady? She was pretty much swimming in the truth. Dance around it. But was she right? Pretty much in everything. Now, I know you're a little weirded out because she was a medium and she saw spirits and conjured and, we're, you know, we, we got weird feelings about that. Back then, when this was a thing and this is how God communicated with people, she knew, I'm just going to do truth. It went really well for her. You have a choice. You know what your choice is? It's two under, underlined words. Action, truth. If you're going to do something, act on truth. Love that. I've been, I've been messing around with putting double meanings in our feelings by picking which ones we underline. If you can action truth, where, where, is that going to progress you? It is. Right? Um, second one, so no action uh, changes the truth of God. Accepting his truth is then your alternative behavior, right? Instead of trying to act to change his truth, you want to accept his truth leads to his truth. Wait, that's, that's like redundant again. Yeah. Have you ever experienced this? Where you think something's true, and so you try to follow it, and then later, hate that word, later, you understand the truth? One of the greatest ones of all time. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Tell me any of you knew what that meant when you got started. Oh, spiritual discipline of silence. Do you start figuring it out over time? Does it start to make more sense? Yeah. And sometimes you get 28 years into it and you start to realize how behind the curve you are. Personally. Not about her. After 45 years, apparently, it doesn't get better. <laughs> no, you start learning more. You know that's true about your relationship with the Lord? It's true about your relationship with truth. 
As you start figuring out that truth can never be manipulated or changed, your actions are not going to affect it, you can start dabbling in reality. And the more you live in reality, the more you recognize it, you see it when it's coming, you see when it's leaving, you see when people are being irrational and acting outside of truth. Things start to make sense to you, and you see them by sight, as my uh, calculus teacher would say in high school. I want you, what's the point of this class, Mr. Cook? Are we ever going to do calculus in everyday life? I'm going to be a pastor of a church. I won't be doing any calculus. He said, well, actually, the purpose of this class is for you to see by sight. What? He went like Zen Jedi master or something. <laughs> that has nothing to do with math. See, it's working. What? He was, he was an interesting cat. This idea that over time, with more experience, you start to recognize things. You know what the Bible calls that? Wisdom. Knowledge. Calls it the pursuit of the Lord. It's a great thing. In fact, truth leads. Right? See the two underlined words there? Truth leads. What else leads? Nothing. Truth is the only thing that leads. And the way to understand truth is to pursue it first, whether it's a mystery or not, whether you have all the other answers, um, whether your counselor can explain it to you or your spouse believes it. At some point, you've got to decide, you know what? The things he says to cut out, I'm going to cut out. The things he says for me to do regularly, I'm going to do. I'm going to create the patterns he's asked for, and I'm going to eliminate the things he's, he says are wrong. Accepting his truth leads to truth. Lastly, obedience is the key to experiencing the Lord. He says it to, Samuel says it to Saul a couple different times. Because you disobeyed, because you did not obey, because you did not carry out, and because you have yet to obey. Three times mentions this concept of obey. I just want to hear from God, Scott. Can we meet and talk? Well, can we can pray together i can show you some passages but that's that's just the key that opens the door at some point you have to walk in you've got to engage him you got to start talking to him you start asking him for things you gotta, you gotta cry with him you gotta get angry around him you know there's no threats to him he's fine with anything you want to share or express but you got to at least start the conversation. Saul's finding everything he can do, any different kind of action he can to progress himself along. And the very last thing he says, oh, when he inquired of the Lord, <laughs> God's like, this is a joke, man. You're not really trying to follow me. You came to me as a last resort. What if we came to him as a first resort? Uh, David's going to start to experience this a little. And we're going to see more uh, compare and contrast between the two. Um, what's the good news for you today? You, you can come to God. Primarily. Initially. When? Whenever you want. You have access to truth? Are you set up for success? Is the whole cross thing? You know, you know what they didn't have? That we do? 
we have the other side of the stage. We have this whole Jesus experience that we get to reference now. We have all these other books of Scripture. We, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. Let's go. Let's drag some people with us, right? In casual ways that welcome them to worship, though. Okay? Don't be like some of those church people. Amen? Now, if you've never done this, can you start right now, today? Is there a specific prayer you have to say? No. No. Could you say, hey, starting today, God, I'm turning from fear, and I'm yours. I have that question at the title of the outline, no more, God. I accept your son. I'm in. Could you say it that way? Or any other way that's similar? Someone say yes. yes. Okay. Good. Now, there's a really famous theologian. Um, his, by his name is, I believe it was Darth Vader. He said, come to the dark side. What's the theology behind that? Can we turn? Well, we can turn to God and we can turn to the dark side. You're going to be turning. Choose your turn. Choose where you're going to turn and what you're going to do with it. Amen? Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for what we've heard from your word. I pray that you would give us what we need to understand to move the direction you want us to move. Protect us from fear, Lord. Help us to see that pursuit of you is the answer to fear. And I pray in specific ways for those who need to deal with that. Maybe there's things that need to be cut out, actions that need to be avoided. Maybe there's new practices to put in place. Maybe there's some that need to find their avenue to you pray you'd help with that and for those that made that decision today lord i pray you give them the boldness to come and see us and talk to us let us help and then we thank you lord for the for the offering we're about to receive as we pass these plates lord i, I pray that you would take and use this to build your kingdom as you see fit we thank you for all this in your son jesus name amen On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the disciples and said something along the lines of, you're not going to understand this, but you will later. You're going to have a shot at fear in the next few days, but it's fake. What you're about to experience is God, and I'm going to prove it to you because I'm going to take my body, which is broken, 
then I'm going to dip it in the wine, which is the blood. That means blood is shed and the body is broken. And then you're going to watch in a couple of days. You're going to have to say, God. And you start figuring it out from there. To do this. You remember this ceremony as something else in our custom. But you 12 disciples from this day forward teach everybody this means something new now. Whatever you want to talk to with God today, this is your time. There's station there, station here. They're both the same. If you're not gluten, there's a cup gluten-free crackers if you want to do that. Pick what you choose. But choose to have a discussion with God. Amen? Come on down. May you experience God to the exclusion of fear. Amen? Go with Him.